the party, having been ingrained in the atheistic society of the Kraley and learning their ways of overcoming the gods, have just concluded a day of lessons with their prescribed teacher. On their way back through the village, it's calm, peaceful, as the Kraley wind down for the day, retreating to their Spartan lifestyles and their simple homes, a gentle breeze rustling the palm trees, the distant sounds of waves crashing upon the beaches, and as you all go into the guest house, you find that a meal has been laid out on the table with all sorts of fruits and vegetables and meats of both familiar and exotic varieties, and a young Crayley seems to be putting the finishing touches on this arrangement, who then bows and then exits as you all enter this guest house for the night. Luna kind of just looks at everyone's like, I've learned never say no to a free meal, so... Brynir's already at the table. <laughs> Luna sits down. Val will join her. And Brynir. Mick will join the group. Rolander takes a seat. In the spirit of friendship and good company, Dominique takes a seat to slowly get one piece of broccoli and push it from one side of the plate to the other and back <laughs> and forth and back. And forth. He's really selling his melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> the table is, uh, there's two benches on either side, fitting six, and then a chair at the head to round out Yule Seven. Vamok doesn't actually sit down at the table. Instead, he goes, kind of grabs a piece of food, some jerky or something. And then he goes and he looks out the window. I'm assuming there's a window. Plenty. What kind of meal serves jerky? <laughs> I don't know, dude. The fancy kind. Exotic foods, Ammon. Fine. It's a piece <laughs> of lunch meat. <laughs> Charcuterie boards. It's, it's from his party tray. <laughs> Deli slices. You get a little piece of bruschetta. Yeah. <laughs> and pasta. <laughs> Mamma mia. And he heads to just a window, kind of looks out, pensive, reflecting on everything that has been said in the day's discourse. So Mick is at the table, and he will pipe up and say, Well, I don't know about you, but that was a lot. Huh. Am I right? You're definitely right. <laughs> I, On the one hand, though, I'm sort of eager to hear it. Luna nods along, and she says, It, it is a lot to comprehend. I, I, I'm having some difficulty, I'll be honest, just wrapping my head around everything they're saying. Of course, it makes me question my own parentage, in fact, if what all they talk about is true after all. Well, they did mention that this control over not-essence, because that does not exist evidently, uh, is genetic to some degree, so it would make sense for you to have more control. I guess that's true. Looking at Dominique, Rolander just says, And how are you faring after all that? Any... More thoughts or any more concerns raised after what he has explained so far? Well, I had a man who seems to think that just because everything is somehow imbued with power, that suddenly I should no longer believe that this power has a guide, a purpose. I, I find myself unconvinced, though I cannot argue. He did not actually say that. He did mention there were other people, ancient ones. It, I admit I'm as lost as any of us here are on who those might be, but he's simply saying the ethereals are not the source. So, take that for what you will, but just that that was one point I, I needed to really understand myself. That 
Aside from the Ethereals, there were others before who formed and created. Then where are they? What are they doing? If they are not, if they are the true gods, the true creators, the true leaders, then either they are dead or they have abandoned us. So it concerns me not what they are doing. I just, I, it is frustrating to not know. Do not know if I can trust. Why should I take his his teachings as truth? Why should I take his counsels as truth? He can say whatever he will. I have yet to be convinced. Dominic, have you ever spoken with an ethereal? Or even seen one? No, I have never seen one. I have never spoken to one. I have not uh, had that privilege. However... I have seen their, their effects, their changes, that they exist, that they have power. I cannot deny. I, the evidence for me is too strong. Oh, I'm not saying that they don't exist. I, I, I mean, who here has seen or talked to an ethereal? And Luna raises her hand. Rolandia raises his. <laughs> Everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone at the table. This is awkward. How sad. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone here is saying that they aren't real, but perhaps they're just not everything we've made them out to be. I mean, that is very much what I've believed all my life. I've made it clear that I don't worship any of the gods, but I do believe that they have influence and uh, at times can be people of respect. I guess it's not much of a, a change for me. Dominique swallows deeply um, and he turns to Brunier and he says, I do not subscribe to the views common among the Liku people with respect to the Ethereals. And nor should you. You should believe what you want to believe. Then frankly, I believe it foolish to think that when you have the power to challenge gods, I believe it foolish to think that you should utilize that power speaking with an ethereal being granted that presence and deciding to kill them for it to me seems irrational but then i hate to inform you dominique but we are on a fool's errand i'm going to be honest i could only agree that you're on a fool's errand it's (laughs) deciding to challenge the gods is it almost makes more sense than joining hand in hand with Vale and the Godless and walking down into the void. I have done exactly that. Luna, like, actually, like, snickers and it tries to contain a laugh. <laughs> um, Dominique actually didn't notice that Luna did that because Val just stared at him and said, I have done both. And he's a little intimidated. Um, <laughs> he has done all of that. <laughs> so, so instead of, you know, instead of noticing that there is a Godless in our midst... He notices that Val is cray-cray. <laughs> As if that wasn't evident. <laughs> uh, with an uncomfortable look. You know, he's trying to hold his ground in front of someone who is, I mean, let's be honest, compare everything Val has done with everything Dominique has done, and you can feel the power differential. <laughs> so <laughs> he's has this look on his face. He's trying to hold his ground, and he just says, yes, a fool's errand. My point being is that I am still alive. Are you still whole? Are you still well? Is this life what you seek or sought before it? Uh, In a way, this is what I sought. Yes, I wanted this, so I did not understand the sacrifices necessary to bring it about. I believe in the work we are doing. I do not regard the gods 
as gods any longer, and I don't like what they've done with our world. I would like to change that, foolish or not. If there's one thing about me that is true, that is that I am a fool. Rolandier pats his hand on the table and just says, I second that for myself. Uh, excuse me. And he stands up and he's going to walk over to the mock, but we can handle that later. Dominique feels the waves of party opinion uh, are turning against him and uh, cuts a hasty retreat. Well, when they're all losing Dominique's social credit score in his eyes at the second. <laughs> <laughs> no, he beats a hasty retreat and uh, excuses himself for, yeah, he's going to excuse himself to his room. Seems we scared him off. Well, I don't think he knows everything about all of us. And I think it's going to... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Luna is just kind of laughing. And Val will laugh with her as well. Yes, I don't think he picked up on the, the godless part. I'm surprised you don't have more of a problem with it, Brynja. Or perhaps I shouldn't be. I make my opinions upon people after dealing with them. You are a good person. I have no issue with you. I can't say I blame him. In fact, it's interesting that he even wants to stay in our company. I know he shared his reasons, but to be frank, he knows very little bit about us, and our quest is, let's just say, our goals are unaligned with his. Well, according to him, a fool's errand. Over by the window... What are Rolandir and Vamok speaking of? So Rolandir had just approached Vamok. Vamok was still staring pensively out the window, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's just standing there. Rolandir walks up to him. What do you think about all this, Vamok? Surely this has shifted some fundamental basis of your understanding of intent. I know it has mine. I suppose you could say that. But I do not think these teachings, though somewhat difficult to understand, are any more earth-shattering than learning intent in the first place. Both you and I come from a place that did not think about the magic in such ways. I do not see why this should be so different from that. Any knowledge we can gain will surely be useful to us in the end. I agree. Although there is one aspect of the things that we've learned that I can't quite wrap my head around it. What they've said about if we want to use the power, we'll have to prove that we'll never want to use it. I don't know exactly how or what that looks like, but to me it does not sound natural. Do you mean it sounds contradictory? That we must have no desire to use the power in order to be able to use it? Well, surely there's cause to use it, as we've seen that exhibited here among the Kray Lee, but I suppose it just requires one to truly master or rein in any desires, or... I guess the real concern to me is the things that we want to do, the things that we are aiming to do. To me, at least, it feels as though those desires would contradict any ability or increased power that we would gain here. Perhaps. But I do not think that I understand all things that they have said. Perhaps there is greater understanding to come once we have undergone this change. But I do not think it is so... I do not ha know how to put it into it. But with what they said about there being no essence, but all things are connected. All things are one. That things simply are. I do not know if we must completely be devoid of any wants or desires. 
Perhaps we simply need to reach a higher plane of being, at least a higher plane of thinking. No, I've no doubt about that. It does make me wonder how long we're going to be here, though. But, anyways, I can see I've disturbed some deeper thoughts, perhaps. I, I can leave you be. No, it is quite all right. I do not mind a bit of company. I am simply contemplating what is to come. Tell me, Rolandir, what is it that you want? What is it that you desire? I think I've had different answers for that almost every time I've asked myself. At this point, all I can say is I just want some measure of peace for myself. I think we've seen so much contention and so much fighting, not just physical amongst ourselves, amongst us and the gods, but just everywhere. Everywhere we've gone, there's been contention. The Kinlands, from the moment we stepped foot in this world even, it seems there was nothing but death and destruction that's followed us, and well, for a moment I'd just like some peace. And if I can be a cause to bring that about for others, then I guess that'd be something good. Would you believe me if I said I too desire peace? That that is what I strive for? He looks you right in the eyes and just looks deeply for a couple seconds. I believe there's a part of you, or perhaps better said, I can, I can believe with a part of me that that's what you want, but surely you can understand why it might be difficult for me to fully believe that. I do. If it is truly your desire, and we share this vision, I would just ask you, don't think you have to do that alone. You spoke of this plan of yours, things that you know that you cannot share with us or have not shared with us. I think that stands in your way. And I am tired, so I think I'm going to go to bed now, but I'd ask you to think on that. As Rolandir moves to walk away, Vamak says, Rolandir, I am sorry for everything that has happened and for what is yet to come. But please, no that I want peace. Rolander looks at you again, slightly quizzically, but then just nods and goes to carry on his way back to his room. So Rolander's gone back to his room. Dominique has gone back to his room. Luna, who's finished her meal, will kind of give Val a pat on his leg and then she'll stand and say goodbye or say goodnight to Mick and Brynir and then go to her room. Leaving, I believe, just Vamok, Mick, Brynir, and Val in the sitting area of the guest house. Well, I'm sure we'll have another day of mind-bending learning tomorrow, so... Well, I don't believe that you are wrong. Even if you don't believe it all, take it and use it. As that's the thing, Brynir, I think I do believe it. And then I would have to say I believe you that you are in the right. Everything that they have said makes a certain kind of sense to me. I agree. We will have to see... How things turn out. That will give him a, a warm, firm nod and go to sleep. Not at the table. He will get up and go to his room. <laughs> <laughs> so Mick, after Val leaves, will just start to talk to Brynir for a little bit before going off to bed. Perhaps what we are to learn in this next little while will be exactly what we're looking for. And I think with that is the power that we need and, and desire, I would say. I think that we'd be best to be careful with that power. And Mick with that is 
writing a little note at the table as he's saying this and we'll fold it up. We'll go to Dominic's door, slip it under there, and we'll go to bed. Upon Mick's departure, is Vamok still there? Yep. Brynir will go up to Vamok. Vamok, are you okay? How do you mean? Well, I guess you yourself, but also your your mind. Are you in a better place now? Vamok the Goliath is not in control. Not any longer. Not since Luna lived my life with me. But I cannot say when he will resurface. I do not know if or when I will lose control again. I suspect that in the presence of violence, certain tendencies may rise to the surface, and I may be primed to lose control of myself. It is an unfortunate feeling. Well, I can't say that I've necessarily had the same thing. I've felt something quite similar. Just know that you are more powerful as this person than you are as your Goliath self. I see how it's changed you, the compassion that you you feel for others, and the sense that you do actually care. So, what of yourself? Do you feel good? I will feel good when this is all over. I appreciate what you have said to me, and I do not disagree with what you have said. But it is because of that that I feel it most urgent to discover a way to bind me, a way to cut off my access to intent or, if that does not exist, whatever powers are at my disposal. Physically, I am not the strongest, at least not currently in this form, but I fear that Vamak the Goliath would be somewhat more vicious and would take every advantage of the compassion that you show me. So to reiterate, I will be good when all this is behind me, when it is behind all of us. It will be most nice, and perhaps the Kraley can be of help with suppressing that force of destruction. But I know this, Vamak, deep down inside, you are a good person, even in a Goliath form. I do not know if I agree completely with that sentiment, but I do appreciate the words. I think I shall retire for now. It's not a bad idea. Surely we have much more learning on the morrow. And Vamak will turn around and head to his room go to sleep. As those two retire to their respective rooms for the night, a few hours in silence and solace pass, and then Luna's door creaks open, and she kind of slips out onto the balcony, and she starts heading down toward the end of the hall, and then peers over the edge as she spies a single candle still lit in the sitting room uh, at the table where Dominic is picking through a few of the leftovers from the meal that haven't been cleaned up by you all or the Crayley, and as quietly as she can, though the stairs creak a bit as she reaches the bottom, she heads down to the parlor. Dominique is actually, as he's, as he's picking through this food, you see Tim in front of him, who you'll notice is now a centaur instead of just a person. 
because Dominique likes to tinker when he gets stressed. And he's just, he's talking to Tim. He's just like, I do not know what to do. I mean, these people are talking nonsense. There's nothing, that's not the problem. The problem is the people I am with. I don't know how to live here without them. And yet their desires are so contrary to anything that seems right. Anything that feels right. I've seen them. And he's, he's babbling on. Dominique? He looks over his shoulder, sees Luna, blushes very hard. She gives a sheepish wave. He gives a world's most awkward wave. Imagine Val back in his prime. That's how awkward this wave is. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty bad. (laughs) And he just says, I'm sorry, I I did not know you were there. I wasn't trying to sneak up on you. I just heard something I couldn't see from up there who it was. It's late. I imagine after today, you especially, I'm sure, are a bit taxed. Yes, I am undoubtedly, but... uh, well, I can't sleep when I'm stressed, so I tinker. I can't tinker when I'm hungry, so I eat. It's a terrible cycle, really. I hope your feelings weren't hurt by this teacher of ours, or uh, honestly anything. Rolander might have been a bit harsh when we came back, but he's like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I have seen too much, honestly. I... Taxed is a fair word. I uh, find myself staring down several equally unfavorable solutions, and I must decide what to do. You were a student, weren't you? Before you were taken away? I was. It was uh, a bit before. I I was a student for a long time before I was given a choice, join or die. Um... So I ran. I don't know if admirable is really what I think, but perhaps it is to still have such a firm belief in something that opposes you fundamentally. Uh, my opposition to the Magisters is actually very easy to fit into my faith. It's very simple. The Magisters have not always been here. The Magisters will not always be here. So it is clear that they are not the truths. They are wrong and unfortunately this is a hard time for mankind this is a hard time for humans to find a path sure to the outsider it might seem all one and the same the felish kingdoms the tele kingdoms it is all one great church but it is it is not that way living it it is not that way existing like that When I was growing up in Bastion, when I was still little, before I had any real experiences with the church, there were these um, acolytes, not yet priests, who were always kind to, to the urchin children. And then one day when we went expecting handouts, they just weren't there. And we didn't have anything. We didn't eat for a couple days. Our normal spots where we'd usually scavenged had been taken over by others and we'd lost a bit of this this reliance on ourselves that we'd built up i'm not equating the entire church to these few acolytes but we'd built up a large part of our subsisting off of them and when they were suddenly gone we had to change everything you've built up so much of your life it sounds i don't know your family but you're talik and from what practices I've seen you do, these rituals and such. I imagine you were raised doing these things. 
if that were suddenly gone, I can understand that that might shake more than what's to be seen by all of us. It's your core. It would be overwhelming to have to confront some kind of fundamental, I don't know, fundamental shift. I just don't think that... I don't see what makes the ethereal's divine, what makes the gods god. It's not just power. It's not just strength. It's not just creation. It is all these things. That is part of it. That is a facet of it. But it does not have to be just that. And I understand that uh, today, if you are think differently than is presented, if you are not orthodox, according to the magisters, you are you are a heretic. You are burned. You are condemned. But the people, the church, the the essence, if I can borrow a word, it is not that. It is not that violence. And it will, I, I will be honest, I cannot see anything that this Crowley says to me changing that. I should really ask his name, to be honest. It's somewhat offensive of me only to know him as the Crowley. Uh, but I will listen. Don't have much of a choice. Though all of us have met literal gods, I feel you have a closer relationship to them than any of us here and I'd honestly be lying if I said I didn't envy you a little I've always felt forgotten by my father but that doesn't matter perhaps in going along this course whatever their fate happens to be the ethereals I mean maybe I'll have this and she just kind of gestures to you relationship with him before Whatever happens, happens. Dominique turns to her and he says, You can have this relationship. I mean, I know it is hard sometimes to converse, to grow close, but it is a, a desire. If it is a desire, then you you can have this. This can be your life. Why don't you? I mean, you are, you are now all-powerful. I don't know how. Why don't you speak to your father? Why don't you go to him? Why run to this place? find ways to kill gods the last time I spoke with him well I never I've never actually spoken to him other the last time he spoke to me destroyed an entire district of Bastion in an ethereal fire that was also one of the nights well, it wasn't the night Cad found me but I think when he realized what was really going on so perhaps uh, him and I aren't on the best of terms if Every time I try to say something or he tries to say something to me, there's a bit of an explosion. Anywho, I should probably leave you to it. And she just, like, grabs some nuts and some cheese off the table. As she goes, Dominique had this weird look. He kind of side-eyed her after the whole burned an ethereal fire comment. And as she goes to leave, he grabs her arm and he just says, Wait, who? Who? <laughs> Who is your father? She glances at you holding her arm and kind of askance, and then she looks at you, her brow furrowed, and she just goes, My father is Sarath. And Dominic's hand uh, immediately lets go of her as if she was made of fire. And he, pushing himself back, 
just turns to her and says, then you are godless. And it's, it's almost as if like, it's almost as if he can't bring himself to say that. So it's like, it's uncomfortable for him. That's the word they use. Yes. She kind of takes a step back closer to the stairs, her hand reaching for the railing. Dominique just, he scoops up Centaur Tim and runs down the stairs to his room. That being a little more climactic than she had uh, envisioned, Luna casts Sending on Val and is just like, are you awake? You up. (laughs) (laughs) You up, literally. Literally what you just said, but in old English. (laughs) All right, hold up. (laughs) She'll she'll cast Sending on Val and say, are you awake? I think I just did something stupid. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be down. No, I'll be up. Oh. <laughs> okay. She walks up the ten stairs and taps on Val's door softly. I'll open it. She bustles inside. I will close the door. <laughs> you and me, Ryan, back and forth. <laughs> Luna just like looks at Val and then goes to whatever's closest, whether it's a chair or like the edge of the bed, and she just sits. And she says, with her head in her hands, she's like, I think I just told Dominique, well, I did just tell Dominique I was the daughter of Sarath, and I probably should have thought who I was talking to before I said that. Um, Val will go to her. She's holding her face in her hands. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay. Val will go to her and sit in front of her and like put both of his hands around her wrists, not trying to pry her hands off of her face, but just like giving her the option to lift it if she wants to. She'll lift her head up and look at Val. And she's not like in tears or anything. She just looks incredibly exasperated. Well, given the day that Dominique has had, I don't think this is... Well, maybe it is the worst news he's had so far. I don't know. But certainly one thing in a pile of many. I just can't imagine this going any worse. And I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and what new found whatever mysteries are going to be revealed by these people these Crayley it's just it's just too much <laughs> I thought this was going to be peaceful I mean look at this she gestures outside where there's the tiniest like vestige of purple light on the horizon over these swaying palm trees in the distant ocean it is sort of misleading yeah <sighs> I think Dominic's going to be a problem I am inclined to agree with you, and I don't I don't want to, but I do. He's so set in what he thinks, and I don't know. He's talking with people who have literally met the gods, or the ethereals, or whatever we're calling them now. And gah! she stands, and she just, like, hands on her hips, paces over to the balcony door. Well, he might provide a necessary perspective into... The lives of ordinary people, I think we get wrapped up often in these, you know, grand schemes and suffering and what we are trying to do, and I I believe that it is right, but it will have a tremendous effect on the lives of everyone who lives on Egadon, and it's not going to be easy for all of them to accept. Dominique is a good reminder of that. Maybe we're not fighting for ordinary people. Maybe we're not fighting for people who've had the privilege to decide these things for themselves. 
all of us have had one way of thinking or another thrust upon us, and we've had to make do and change. And he's never had to challenge anything. Or perhaps he has the magisters or whatnot, but that talks that away as if it's nothing. If we're not fighting for ordinary people, Luna, who are we fighting for? Her mouth is just like a hard line as she looks at you. Us? <laughs> and she cracks a smile because she can't even contain it. Just like, ah, sorry. I, you're right. You're right. I'm not often right, so I will take it where I can get it. <laughs> if there were any shred of truth in what you just said. <laughs> Please. Val will stand up and go to stand with her at the window. I'm worried about Vamok, too. I think Vamok is worried about himself. I saw Rolandir talking to him, and I wanted to, to, to say something, but I I don't know what to say to either of them at this point. Neither do I. Do you think Rolandir's forgiven him, at least, for everything that happened between you all? It's hard to say. I think there has been... Plenty of bad blood and plenty of acting against each other within this group that has not necessarily been apologized for on many accounts. We go on because we must. I think if we gain nothing else from our time here, even if we don't learn this power or this change or death or whatever in Vale's name they're going on about, I think we need to leave this island more unified than when we came. I think you're right. I mean, at least I know. And she kind of reaches down and for your hand and takes hold of it. I know I can count on you. And Brynir has a good heart. And Mick, despite everything, is still here. He would like to have us believe that he is not reliable, but he is. Yes, I think you're right. There's some joy in the performance of it all. I guess everyone should just be more like Brynir. In what way? Nothing beneath the surface. That sounded rude. <laughs> I thought you meant we should all be, you know, chopping wood at 4am and wearing very low-cut shirts. <laughs> Sorry. She kind of just, like, glances down at you with, like, wow. <laughs> I think Val chuckles at that. Luna immediately, like, whatever veneer of... Kelnies-esque confidence fades <laughs> immediately like re replaced by rosy red cheeks and a downcast glance. Val will reach to lift her chin to look at him. Oh my gosh! Sorry. <laughs> Luna looks up at Val. I think he just spends a moment sort of like admiring her and then will give her a very gentle kiss. She'll return it. Wow! <laughs> and then the two of you separate. She's still uh, holding onto Val's hands and she says... Um, last night, when, when we were talking, and I was sharing a bit of, about home, I said I wanted to be alone, and you respected that, and I just wanted to say thank you. Of course. I don't want to be alone tonight. What? Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I am watching this at home, in my own theater, like, like, oh my gosh, he did not, he did not. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> this is too much for me. Woo! Okay, sorry, continue. Well, you are welcome to stay. Luna will go over to the balcony window again, ignoring the chairs, sit down on the floor, and just pat beside her. Val will go sit next to her. As Val goes to sit down beside her, Luna just playfully tackles him to the ground uh, with a laugh, and as she kisses him, the pair are lost in a night of 
young romance. Come morning, outside, awoken by the sounds of palm trees being split beneath their window, Val blinks awake. Luna is cuddled up, like, in the crook of his elbow, sound asleep. Oh. Um, I think he's kind of loath to wake her, but they have to get up, so... Luna does stir as Val starts to move about, and she'll kind of shoot up rather unceremoniously, her hair very unkempt and just in her face, just like, what? what's going on? I, and she sees you and she's like, her eyes go a little wide, like unsure of where she is and what is going on for a moment. And then she calms and she's like just patting the bed beneath her. And she's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Like I said, I'm just more used to cobblestones and you know, rotted wood. Well, people change. I'm sure this is much beneath your standards. Frankly, I don't have standards when it comes to these sorts of things anymore. Well, thanks about it. <laughs> As I said it. <laughs> I was like, wait. That, that's, not, that's not what I meant at all. Um, <laughs> she shuts you up with a kiss and laughs. Another day. That it is. And she'll get up and wash herself, get dressed, and head downstairs along with everyone else. That will follow. I, I assumed it was Brynir chopping the palm trees outside. Oh, I assumed as well. <laughs> Seth knew. He's like, that's my cue. Landir awakens from the floor where he had actually kind of just passed out after he had been, he'd been meditating most of the night. He, he'd been sitting on the ground staring at the picture, actually, of the entire group that they had made, that Kelneas had made for them back at the inn. And he wakes up, feels a little uh, disheveled, but does his best to splash some water on his face from a nearby basin, wake himself up a little bit more, straightens himself up a little bit, and then uh, heads out the door, ready to face the day. Raising an eyebrow as the two unceremonious lovers walk out of the room. They're very ceremonious. (laughs) (laughs) Between Val and Luna, I think there's quite a bit of ceremony. There's a bit of pomp and circumstance. (laughs) (laughs) Vamak wakes up, the effect of his magically altered appearance wore off over the night, and and he just kind of feels his face, and he does summon Vakos, so he can actually see his face, right? So he can see what he looks like. And he goes to a wash basin, washes himself, and, and just, like, takes a good long look at kind of everything that he's become, and you see just, like, probably more emotion on his face than he's used to showing, and then he kind of steals his resolve, assumes the form of a Mazkin and goes back to his normal dour expression and heads down to the parlor. Well, Mick, as he retired to his quarters, tries to sleep, but finds it very difficult to do the prior night. He's up thinking about the day's lessons and the many questions that it brought to Mick's mind. And he also is kept up from worrying about Dominique as well. And so Mick doesn't get a lot of sleep, but dreams also of these topics and these questions have arisen. And as Mick awakes from a very restless sleep, 
Mick kind of gets a little inspiration, or, or rather, wants to write down his thoughts. So Mick will take out his notepad and will start to write some questions that he has that will even form into a song to kind of communicate what he's feeling. And the one question that Mick writes down on his notepad is, what is life? And as he ponders that for a little bit, continues on and writes a second question of, what is the point to all of this? And as Mick ponders that and will put that notebook in his satchel, he will put on a happy face, walk downstairs, see uh, Rolandier and Vimak, and say, well, good morning, my brothers. And will sit down, help himself to a serving breakfast, and out comes Val and Luna, where just a massive grin sprawls across Mick's face. <laughs> Because it confirmed his, not suspicions, but basically his truth that he already knew. <laughs> oh, yes. Mick's been writing fan fiction for a while. About this. Oh, he, he turns to another page and is like, the progress in Lu- Luna and Dad's relationship. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. But yeah. So he's very happy to see both of them come out of the room together. Thinking that it's about time that he finished up his wood chopping for today. He grabs his shirt, dabs the sweat off of his head and heads inside. Still shirtless. He doesn't put the shirt back on. (laughs) I had to clarify. (laughs) I love it. Uh, He enters the building and and sees that everybody is already in the, the main area. He sees Val and Luna together and says, it's about time. (laughs) Then he goes and sits down at the table. Everyone's so callous. <laughs> callous? <laughs> Not Mick. Mick gets a pass. <laughs> as everyone does like acknowledge this, Luna's blushing up the wazoo as she sits down for breakfast. And you all barely have time to, to really eat as Dominic shambles out of his room and simultaneously a knock comes at the guest house door and your teacher enters. He gives everyone a curt bow and then raising the hand, indicating he's speaking to you. You hear his voice in your minds and say, I don't mean to rush you along now, but I've just had a spark of inspiration and I felt I might share it. I've prepared a special lesson for all of you. Yes, all of you. Come, today I'm going to teach you how to lift rocks and kill gods. <laughs> 